Welcome back to the NES Experience. Thanks for tuning in to our 16th episode. Today we're going to start things off a little bit differently. We're not going to do a Q&A and we're not going to do, uh, you know, like a little story or updates or anything like that. Instead, we're going to get it right from Ned. What is the NES Experience? Obviously, a lot of gyms think that they're kind of the shit. You know, they got things going on. But what makes NES sports different than other places? The NES experience and and what we do when you look at the... I mean, the first thing is you got to look at the quality of athletes that are in there. And that doesn't mean, you know, we have 50 professional NFL guys in there, which deems that we're great. But, I mean, I don't control who I get. So... Whether you're a, you know, all-American future NBA player, or I could get a 13-year-old, you know, that doesn't know his ass from his elbow in the weight room, and is completely deficient. Um, I don't control what I get, but whenever they do come in, you know, assuming that they follow the program and enter the culture of what we do, I mean, ultimately. Nearly 100% of athletes that stay with the program end up playing in college, which means that NES trains the 7%, because only 7% or so athletes make it to the college level. Everybody in my place is either going to college or they're going to go to college. They're just not old enough to get to that point in time. So the quality of athlete and the and the atmosphere is a whole bunch of hungry, motivated kids that, you know, most of our most of our athletes are either all conference, all state, all New England, all region, or all American. And if they aren't, they're going to be in the next season um, for their sport. So if you look at a lot of different places and the way business models are created in the performance world, what you do, what they have is a bunch of guys either doing the interviews, which we talked or photo shoots, which you called, which we talk about, where they come in one time, uh, take some pictures, put it on Gram and Twitter, and then that's their endorsement for getting a free workout at the facility. Or they scholarship all the good athletes and make all the, the not good athletes pay more money. So that's another common practice. So then the less talented kids look at the facility and they're like, they must know what they're doing because Duke, North Carolina, Florida State, and whoever is there, even though they're there one time, it's, you know, these facilities spend all their time on those guys, but the people that are paying the rent and keeping the, you know, the the other athletes are the, are the rent payers and they're not getting that personal time that they need and individuality and training to get them to the next level. It's just a continuous cycle of, you know, scholarshipping the best athletes. So the athletes that I get in and you can see that through our Graham story. So I have one athlete. He's, he was been training since the existence of the NES Insta story. And he's a character um, from the age of nine, now he's 17. He was, he, people have seen his development, um, in front of their eyes, whether it's the, the featured posts that we do or, or the Insta story. So, you know, I have a lot of my athletes spend four to nine years with me 
and the only thing that typically stops is retirement after college or not being able to make it to the professional level. But virtually everyone ends up making it to the college level and most of them compete their college careers. So you're training around 7%, um, not the 93% that don't play, it's the 7% that go on. So all impact players, all state, all conference, all everything. I mean, I break it down into two different categories. There's the physical aspects and the psychological aspects of what we're doing behind the scenes to help prepare athletes to go to the next level. So the first one is results. Recent result, I have a Ansonia football player, Dave Cassetti. He was in a situation where he is his summer of junior year, most important you know, season for football, and he wants to play college football. He was playing high school baseball at the time. Um, doesn't want to play baseball in college, but, you know, obviously made a commitment to the team and was on the team and they had to make a hard decision. And that was, he was running out of time and had a camp to an important camp to prepare for. How do you prepare for this camp if you play high school baseball? So he made the tough decision, decided not to play. So once that happens, essentially I'm on the hook to hold up my end of the of the deal because my recommendation was you should quit baseball and prepare for football to make your measurables better to get offers and you know play at the highest level college football you can so and I mean he's the perfect kid elite work ethic showed up 100% of the time he's just a dog and he ended up so our 13 weeks or so passed by and he had uh, his camp last weekend and you know he it's just the the results in the physical transformation so if you go to our insta and you look at the page look at his legs he did that in 13 weeks there's no way in hell this kid would would look the way that he looked if he went through a whole high school baseball season that that would have spit him out the middle of june and given him three weeks and you can't really get anything done in three weeks but he gained 10 pounds went all to his legs his broad jump went up like eight inches. So he went from a D3 categorized broad jumper to a borderline one double A. That's what he did in 12 weeks. He went from an undersized, you know, 190 to a more respectable 200. It's tough because he's kind of a tweener. He's in between like linebacker and safety. But uh, he his vertical jump was a 27 and a half, which is D3. And now it's almost 32, which puts him from a D3 to a you know high-end D2, low-end D1 type range for power. And his 40, even though he put on 10 pounds, um, he w- it was still down from a 4.87 to a 4.73. Uh, and that's a pretty and, and he has upside to run four sixes. So um, when when we we've done the podcast on specialization in sport and you know the if you have the right kid and he and he works his ass off and you combine it with the program i mean there's no one that can look back now and say yeah you should have played baseball like we just shut everybody up and if you and you're or you're an idiot that's the only case you could make it's right there you can see it the the times are verified um it just happened, and I knew it was going to happen. And the, he made it happen. I gave him the tools to make it happen. 
And that for me, no better feeling than that. Um, so results, and you can just scroll down. I, I don't want to sit here and talk about results, but they're posted, they're accurate, and they're proven over and over and over again. Um, attention to detail, that's big. So we're not trainers. We don't count reps. We don't just walk around. We're not fitness supervisors. You're getting one-on-one -on -one instruction in a small group setting, and everything that you do is being coached. I'm changing the way you move. I'm, I'm analyzing your movement, and I am physically, verbally telling you to change things to make you faster or to change direction better or to get stronger. If you're doing strength lifts, you're being coached by the rep, inst instantaneous feedback um, to make sure that everything is happening. So, and it's not all good feedback. So part of the NES culture is, you know, getting your ass ripped. I hope there's, there's a accountability component. We have to get results. We have to goal set. It's whether it's in the, the, the four or eight year timeline of all conference, all state, all New England, college scholarship, impact player as a freshman, all conference by sophomore, you know, and moving all the way up, we're constantly doing that. And part of the reason why I can do that is because I don't have 150 people to train. I we limit the amount of total athletes that enter the program for the season because if you have 50 athletes, you have 50 goals that need to be made. That's a whole bunch of goals, and everybody's got to hit their goal. Um, and it's that process, and there's a lot of things that go on not in the facility that people don't understand. Some people need more of a push. I have an athlete that I have to text this fucking kid every day. Are you coming in today? We back on track? You coming in today? All right. Oh, you can't come in today? Oh, you're whitewater rafting? Oh, you're uh, you're you're on your boat? Oh, so you're going to come this day, right? Well, how are you going to get three days in? My whole life with this kid is now I'm to the point where I text him more than my wife. Um, but what I know is as long as I get his ass in there for three days a week for 90 minutes, the goals that he has, he's going to hit. Um, and I'm not giving up. So, it, you know, in my opinion, you know, the, giving someone your time is one of the most valuable things that you can do. And although I get in all types of fights with my wife, um, because I use a lot of my family time and, and the, her time on my athletes and my job and my career, but, uh, you got to do it. So consistency, you know, my kids come in nine out of 10 times and I will put my attendance numbers against any other performance facility. The re the unfortunate reality of performance facilities are they want to get, they double book. So they don't even, they, they don't want everybody to come in because if half the amount of people come in, that means that there's more twice the amount of room for new people. And then you start to double book. They just want to bill your card every month. It's not about physically being in there so when you come to nes you're in a spot and that is your spot in your group i don't i don't overbook five people and then have the groups too big where it just turns into glorified you know fitness training 
going back with accountability and work ethic, this rarely happens. But because I dabble in my under 14 year olds, sometimes, you know, people get cute. So I had this athlete and looking at him like, man, getting a little chunky. Like this this isn't adding up. And I'm like, he works in here. He never, you know, and I'm looking and weigh-ins, dodging weigh-ins. I'm like, all right, I figured it out. And then I was like, so I finally get him on the weigh-ins, gaining weight. I'm like, how is this kid gaining weight? He's all he does is act or he does his workouts and he works so hard. And then caught him one day. And I'm like, man, I don't think he did all of his sets and reps. The the moral of the story is I had one of my coaches, his only job the whole session was to follow this kid around and count every single set and rep of every single exercise in a 90-minute period. And then text me the results. And then based off of what I see, that will dictate what will happen. So kids moving around. I'm coaching the group. Complete setup. And then I get the text and it was, we count, we counted every single set, every single rep, every single exercise, which is like 25 exercises at four sets. It's just like thousands of reps. And he did like 32% of the workout. And I was like this little motherfucker. So the end result is he's about on his way out. He's like, all right, Ned, we'll see you Monday. And I'm like, and I'll see you downstairs in the lounge. So I brought him into the room and I was like, Yeah, I just had my coach count every fucking set and rep that you did. And you did, what percentage of the workout do you think you did today? Looks up, starts crying. I have this gift of making people cry usually two to three times a week. And then it was just waterworks. And he was bullshitting me. And that that rarely happens because, I mean, all all these kids are motivated. But they get tired and things happen and... The end result was you could probably guess that he never missed his sets and reps anymore. Those are some of the, you know, the physical things in-house and external. You know, it's just the standard that we set is super, super high. Like I had a kid that he came in, college baseball player, 126 pounds, uh, which is a little light and could never gain weight his whole life. And... uh He's just just doing the program and we're on his nutrition and I'm texting him, you know, at midnight in in the afternoon. You should be throwing food down. The end result is he's up uh, 11 pounds in seven weeks and his goal. So when he's at 137 now and his original goal was 140 and I was like, yeah, no, it's 145 now. He's like, that's not fair. You can't change the goal. I'm like, sure, I can. I'm like, you're, I mean, you're going to smash this. You're going to be 140 by next week. You still got four more weeks, 145. So, and he's kicking rocks and all pissed off. But, I mean, that's that's who I am. And that's what we are is just pushing it. That's great and that you gained 15. Now let's gain 20 because that's going to improve your exit velo two to three miles an hour. And it's going to make you get you even closer to passing the eye test to go out there. He's in college. Only re- athletic as shit. Only reason why he's not playing is because he smacks singles around like Ichiro. So you gain 20 pounds and you hit the ball 10 miles an hour farther and you could be the little guy with pop. You know, And that's, that's something that you don't get at other places. It's just kind of like you're a body there. And they'll be like, oh, and other play- I hear there's beef all the time with all the different performance places. And they're like, you know, blank and blank is the best. Like, and then somebody be like, why is that the best? And they'll be like, it just is. 
oh, it just is. That's the reason why. Is it is it the relationships? Is it the results? Tell me your results. Talk to me. What what do they do? Innovative training. What is it? You're lightning fast now. And you, it was. It's never about like the important thing, which is I don't know results. It's not ever that they're the best player on the field. And most of the people that say that the place is the best, none of them are all conference, all state, or anything. They're just role players or bench warmers. And NES happens to be the place with all the, you know, the impact players. So, what do you think about that for addressing the some ways that NES is different? Yeah, those are definitely some physical differences that NES has over some other gyms. Uh, is there anything that makes NES different from a psychological point of view? So, yeah, we I guess we hammered down the physical stuff a lot, but there is the other side. So first off, I'll be the first one to say that COVID has fucked these kids up. So not trying to be a Republican or anything right now, but uh, I mean, everybody has been through a lot. Speaking of COVID, I feel like you have it. I, I do have COVID. I, I've had COVID for the last 10 days, so it's not fun. I don't like it. I don't appreciate it. I wish it didn't happen. Uh, yeah, it makes sense, and I hope I never get it. Um, so I started looking at the psychological aspect a lot more when COVID hit because you just started to see bad things happen from, you know, kids vaping more, smoking more weed, being closed, you know, closed in the house. The socially awkward has gotten more, even more socially awkward when we didn't think that was possible. More pills, anti-anxiety, antidepressant. I mean, a lot of my kids either are or were, you know, going through all that stuff. But so there's that type of adversity and then there's the physical adversity from their sports. So you have kids, it's baseball season. So I got athletes right now, you know, that are in a hitting slump and how are they managing that and what is it doing to them and a lot of times it's just phone calls with the athletes and getting updates and talk me through this or, you know, we have a network. So, you know, somebody might be going through something and another athlete is, you know, going through the same thing. So it's being able to bounce ideas and relate and be able to get it out because part of the the treatment for a lot of this stuff is, is you know, I'm a big fan of being able to talk to someone. doesn't necessarily have to be a counselor or what are they called? therapist doesn't need to be a therapist um but being able to talk to a friend and or a coach that i'm a coach you can talk to getting them to grow as a person mentally teaching them how to manage stress and anxiety and everything that's going on in the world is a big thing for me so a lot of my athletes are divorced and when you go through a divorce and you don't have a father figure there's a series of things that you're going to encounter in life where you're you're not going to be prepared and you're going to need help with so um whether it's the fathers i mean i don't want to say that mostly it's usually it's the fathers that are not around but yeah there's a whole bunch of single mothers and you know they need things to be reinforced that you got to get it from somewhere and our place is is in my opinion a great place to be able to you know do that and then you know there's the you get the athletes that are injured and 
coming off an injury. So there's a level of you tear an ACL. I have kids that come in that are coming off an ACL. You are somebody coming in off an ACL tear. So it's getting them to build confidence in that more closed personal setting. Tell me why, what you're afraid of and, and, and being able to build everything up structurally to give them the confidence to be able to overcome, you know, some of those severe injuries. And then also the, the psychology of preparing to play at the college level. So when my high school kids commit, um, the expectation levels change as far as how hard I am on them because part of what we do is actually prepare them to be able to go into college, say the right things, do the right things, and prepare themselves physically and mentally to be able to step in as a freshman and, and make an impact and build your resume you know, for when you move when you move farther along in your athletic career. So there is, there's, there's a lot of things that kind of go into it in-house, physically, psychologically. And, you know, when, when you put all that together, it's just, I mean, it's the NES experience, but I think it's a great experience. It's a great atmosphere. You're surrounded around hungry, like-minded athletes that are all working towards a common goal to generally shit all over everybody who doesn't like winning. We're winners. I hate losing sore loser cheating monopoly 1500 bucks right in the pocket. If you're counting the, the, the orange bills, I'm grabbing hundos. I'll just grab a stack of hundos. Yeah. I, I cheat in monopoly as well from time to time. Sometimes you just have to do what you have to do to win. Winning is that important. You're right about that. Uh, But, you know, sometimes just getting back out on the field is a little important. We're going to segue here. This is going to be a nice segue. And in order to get back out on the field, you have to take care of injuries. So what should you do to take care of injuries to get back out on the field ASAP? So part of what's going on right now is... As you, everybody's going through their camps and training, there's a lot of AAU going on right now. A lot of basketball, a lot of soccer, a lot of summer football type activities. Um, people, you're going to get dinged up because you can't control the volume and the intensity. So how hard you go and the total amount of work that you do, you can't can you can't control that 100% anymore once you leave NES. Where we can do that. Um, but I don't have relationships with, you know, every sport coach to say, you know, they should back off, they're overtrained or whatever. But what's shocking slash annoying, mostly frustrating right now is getting athletes to get treatment for an injury or an ailment or a pain immediately when it happens. And I'm not sure why there's this lack of action taken, but it is blowing up the NES master plan of getting these kids, you know, where they need to go. Whether it's athletes that were completely healthy for a clip, performed at a high level, um, and then, you know, there's a minor bump in the road to athletes, new athletes that are coming in that already have injuries, and trying to convince them to take action 
um, it's a big problem, and people don't understand the importance of of getting that, getting the whatever's going on buckled up and fixed, and then move on. So, the number one reason why we need to take action is prevent things from getting worse. If you get an ankle sprain, I won't use the I'll use the ankle sprain for something else, but I'll use we'll use another example. So right now, I had an athlete come in. He was a college athlete. And he came in with some sort of hip, uh, lower back issue. And so I was like, all right. He's like, oh, it's not that bad, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, go to Drew. That's, I, I should just have an audio recorder that says go to Drew. Um, it happened in his college baseball season. He's like, ah, I'm going to a chiropractor. I just think my hips are out of alignment. If I had a dollar for every chiropractor that always said uh, – you know, oh, that you're having this issue because your hips out of alignment. I would be rich. I'm not anti chiropractor. My father's a chiropractor. My uncle. We already went over this in episode one. I have, I think, I have seven in my family. Um, everybody responds to different types of treatments, but everything that we do is in house, case by case basis. In this specific case, uh, although I'm, I'm, I agree that chiropractic can help with um, many things, this specific example, it was, it was tissue related. So I said, all right, well stop going to the chiropractor, go to Drew. He'll check you out, figure out what's going on, create a game plan, get it patched up. And it's summer. So he's try he was trying to play in the, uh, summer college ball leagues. Um, and it was time sensitive. He's like, I got to get fixed quick. So we played this out and his hips were out of alignment and this and that. Then, So then he's like, he saw a little bit of relief right out there hitting again. And then right back in in worse shape. And then goes to the chiropractor. And then his hips are always out of alignment. They need to figure out how to keep them in alignment better. Because they're always out of alignment. And then I think I'm okay, rush back. So in the meantime, he's playing through this injury. And he's not performing, you know big picture at the level that he's supposed to and now it's worse now it's you know lower back and some sort of sciatica glute it starts to spread and this goes back to preventing things from getting worse so now we're getting worse not better we're x amount of weeks into the summer we're modifying training on my end to manage and try and do an extended pt to try and get everything treated. The end result is after five or six weeks, he went to Drew. But he lost six weeks. He lost six weeks in a short, so college, here's college baseball. Freshman year, you got to go to one, you know, we'll say A. That's the lowest level college baseball. And then you play that for a year. And then you got to get to B, which is the next best league. And then by the your junior year, that's when people get drafted. You have to be in C, which would be the Cape Cod League. So in, in order to make it up these ranks, you have to go into these various leagues and perform at a high level, and then you get promotions. So we're in a time-sensitive period, so there's the need to go out there, but there's the lack of need of getting treated the right way. I will say that you know, it's not like he wasn't trying to address the problem, but... We got to do it the right way. Sometimes massage is the answer. That's when I send them to Loomis. Alignment, wellness, and massage. I probably got the business wrong. Loomis, shout out. 
And then sometimes I'll send them to Drew, PTSM Affiliates, shout out. Um, and typically, you know, w one of those two paths help get us, get them to where they need to be. Um, but the end result was that was six weeks lost, whereas if, he if we would have scrapped all the other bullshit and started right, you know, right at square one, that would have been a month of accumulating stats and building a resume to get to that part B of a college baseball season. Um, but most importantly, he's feeling great now. So preventing things from getting worse is one, two, it's going to come back one way or another. So this is the ankle sprain rant. When you sprain an ankle, a whole bunch of people have sprained ankles. When you sprain an ankle, the body's protective mechanism from preventing it from happening again, this is from the primitive ages is everything around it tightens up. It, it basically, you lose range of motion and mobility in your ankle because it has to tighten up and protect everything from that happening again. But primitive man wasn't running around dunking basketballs, playing seven on seven, you know, eight hours a day, um, six days a week during the summer. So you sprain an ankle. No one gets ankle sprains rehabbed. They just, you know, write it out and eventually the, the inflammation goes down and they put their thing back on and then you get another ankle sprain. Every time you sprain an ankle and lose mobility and don't restore it and don't strengthen it, you're, it's going to be less and less likely or more and more likely that you're going to have another ankle sprain because you no longer have the, the mobility to accept the unstable surface that you've stepped on and then it just snaps over and over and over again so it's not most of the time you pop a hammy and you don't rehab it and you just wait and time it's going to come back it's going to happen again and again you got to get the scar tissue you have to strengthen it you have to improve the range of motion aka this is all physical therapy and then you should get rolled out at 50 percent and then you know linear and then you start you know gradually starting to cut and change direction there's a protocol and then you, you know, become 80%, 90%, 100% release. This is how MLB does it. This is how NBA does it. NHL, um, all your professional sports, there's something happens. There's immediate treatment. There's some sort of diagnosis into physical therapy with a ramp up um, and then go out and play for sport. So if all the people that are making all the money and you got your best players in the world that are that are following these protocols, I don't understand why we wouldn't say, hey, why don't we treat it the same way? But for some reason, at the high school and to some extent the college level, there there isn't this. It's like, oh, my shit's fucked up. All right, well, I can't do anything for a week. All right, it's feeling better. I'll go back out there. And all you're doing is not showing... So number three is showcasing well. You're not showing off the best version of you. If you're, this isn't about going into a, this isn't like going into a football game at 80%. If it's a football game, you know, from a team perspective, the goal is to be good enough and healthy enough to win. But this is a world where we're trying to get offers and build highlight tape um, type plays. And you have to look fast on the field. You have to make guys miss. You have to get picks and sacks. And I'm talking football, but whatever sport you are, you know, you have to hit bombs or you have to drop 
trays, whatever it is, you have to, you're showcasing yourself. And if you never get the injury treated, you're not showing the hundred percent of you. Your film's not as good, and you don't play as well, and you're not going to get recruited as well. I know it sucks to get hurt and to have something going on and to take time off, but most of the reason why the injury has occurred because you were overtrained. And you decided to ignore the signs and symptoms of overtraining. And now the end result is you're injured, which is your body's way of shutting you down. And if you ignore that, then things are going to get worse. So I have a soccer player right now who came in and says, oh, yeah, I pull my hamstring like every three months. I'm like, well, that's no good. I'm like, uh, this, that's your body trying to tell you that there's a problem. I'm like, dude, do you ever get physical therapy? No, you need to get physical therapy immediately. But the tough thing is when, I, when I'm in week three of a relationship with the family, if when I'm in year five, it's different. When I'm in week three, they're like, who is this guy trying to tell me what to do? Um, and it's just frustrating because she's a potential D1 level soccer player that if she doesn't fix this, she's eternally running on an, a bum hamstring and not showcasing herself when all she needs to do is take five or six weeks off, get... You know, she should take a season, take a whole season off and get 100% healthy and get why is she popping the hamstring? She's super quad dominant, um, quad calf dominant, doesn't do any type of um, posterior chain work. So it's uh, hamstring strains are it's fixable and they're and, you know, it's preventable. But if you do get one and it happens, you get treated immediately. So because if you don't, now it's going to come back and what happens like if you're a what if you're a senior football player who's not going to reclass you came off a great spring at, I don't know we'll say some prep school combine and you kill the numbers and you do good in camp circuit and then you end up um tweaking your hammy and it's not a serious situation you've already proved yourself you've showed well you know, and then you have a camp this Sunday, but sprint, but you're not a hundred percent healthy. You already showed well, it's one school. And if you go do this camp, do you want to risk and you didn't get it treated? Or do you want to risk your senior year film, which that's the only missing piece that you need to basically get your offers. Cause he's late in the game. Cause he was busy playing baseball and other basketball and other dumbass sports that he wasn't good at. He wasted his time. So the end result is you're, you're, you're going to increase your chance of something bad happening during the season. And then you have no film and then you're fucked. So, um, those are just some things you can have a timeline and a plan. Um, but ultimately when something comes up and things like this happen, you have to make the adjustments your your timeline has to change. You have to be able to pivot, address this situation, get it fixed, move on. I know it sucks to take the time, but taking a little bit of time in the beginning isn't going to eat into your whole annual plan of training and performing at a high level. You just got to grab it as soon as it as soon as it happens. So that's my stance and frustrations of people not taking action. On their injuries. Just take care of it. Trust me. You gotta trust me. Yeah. It's really hard to perform or really do anything if you're just, you know, have a nagging injury that you just can't get rid of. So, I uh, had a buddy in high school who 
you know, we're in high school and he had a bad back and that thing was just brutal for him. So it really affected him. I mean, injuries just are no fun at all. So I think, uh, I mean, that's pretty much all we have on the docket for, for this episode of the NES experience. It's our 16th episode. And if you've listened to our previous 15, uh, again, just thanks so much. And we'll be back in two weeks with a new episode of the NES Experience. Until then, uh, if you're injured, get those things taken care of. <laughs>